Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, everybody. Good to be on the call with, with everyone. Good morning. Um, Silky's here. Hi, Silky. Hi, Jesse. Good to hear your voice, always. <laughs> okay, so listen, we have a couple uh, absences from class today. Um, oh, hold on just one second, everybody. All right. So let me just take a attendance for who is here. And we'll get that rolling. I grabbed the wrong notebook. So let me just grab the right notebook and then all will be right in the world. So I see that Brandon is on the line. And I know that's because he's the only phone number from Michigan. <laughs> Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, how you doing? Good. And I see that Jennifer's on the line because she's the only phone number from Washington. 206 in the house. <laughs> and Silky is obviously on the line. Uh, and Mark Greger, are you here? Mark, are you on mute? Maybe not. Silky. Jennifer, Brandon. Hey, Jesse, uh, it's Mark. Hi, Mark, there he is. Uh, Martha. I'm here, but I'm on the road, okay? Gotcha. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I said, I think Vanessa is ill tonight, so it's been lots of light, and Zach uh, is helping his family. I believe there was a, a transition in Zach's family, so we send them a lot of love and light, too. Okay, guys, let's get to it. Um, why don't we let uh, Toki, why don't you... Um, ooh, do you guys hear this? In L.A., do you hear the thunder? The rolling thunder? Maybe the first game of... Of course, in kickball, our new kickball team is might be canceled. I say that. Can you hear that I'm, like, okay with that this week? <laughs> I'll trust that the highest good is unfolding for everyone, including the kickball team. Um, but, Silky, why don't you pray us in? Why don't you start to do a, a God's prayer, gratitude, offer, declare, and share prayer to start the class? Okay, I will do the God's prayer. Uh, let's uh, let us all close our eyes and put our hands.
hands on our heart. Take a deep breath. Inhale. And exhale. Inhale deep. Exhale long. Inhale deep. Exhale long. Then you have a jelly. Inhale the breath of life, the breath of God that we are so grateful for. So grateful and so thankful, Father, Mother God, for this wonderful moment right here, right now. That we are together again in this practitioner's class. So grateful for the gift of life. So grateful for our friendship, for the love that we share with each and every one of us. So grateful for the guidance of Divine Holy Spirit. Soaking in and through us in this class today. And we offer to the divine altar any thoughts of limitation, fear, guilt, any negativity that does not serve us. We offer them to the altar of the divine love and life to permeate into pure love that is who we are, remembering our truth and declaring that we are complete, whole, and perfect right here, right now. And we share this knowing, we share this truth to each and every one of us in the practitioner's class too, to our inspired community, to our family, and to our beloved planet Earth. And so we all say, and so it is, Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. So key. Beautiful prayer. Wow. Thank you, Jess. If you can only hear me pray in Tagalog, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll have you pray out uh, in uh, using your uh, native tongue because, you know, we're connecting at the mind level, right? So, beautiful. Um, does anybody have any anything they'd like to share with Sophie about her her prayer? Any thoughts? Any any um, inspired words coming that you'd like to share with her? I'll just, this is Jennifer. Um, I just noticed, you know, that it, it, it is a connection at the mind because in the tone of the voice, and, and maybe because I'm a singer and I'm really attuned to that, I, I hear that, but in the tone of the voice, it's almost like you shift. I, you know, I hear Soki shift from what is a conversational uh, way of speaking in tone of voice, and, and, and it goes into this other tone. The words are more legato, and the, and the just the way of speaking is, is on another level. I think that I could probably tell that Soki was praying even if I didn't know what she was saying. 
um, because of the tone and everything. I just enjoyed it a lot. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Anybody else? Cool. All right. Oh, my gosh. I am loving the sounds of thunder here in Los Angeles because I'm I'm praying that that's uh, indicative of the rain that we have been praying for. I have literally been praying for. You know, what I learned uh, was about a couple, like a month and a half ago or something like that, we had like a couple days of rain. Do you guys remember that in Los Angeles? Kind of like random days of rain in in June, which is so rare. Uh, maybe it was end of May, something like that. But I learned that the Dalai Lama was in Los Angeles during that time. <laughs> so uh, so uh, somebody, when I was on retreat, said, that's ah, when probably asked him to pray for rain. And when the Dalai Lama prays, <laughs> it rains. So... Oh, wow. Wonderful. Well, you know, um, I uh, would like to start off by sharing that um, uh, just because, you know, we are a community and we all grow together. And since uh, Kelly was definitely a part of this group and helped everybody with payments and things like that, um, I would like to share that Kelly has resigned as administrative director for um, Inspire, I think that we felt uh, it was really going to support her practice. I feel like it was going to support her peace of mind. Um, And, you know, it was definitely a challenging decision to come to, but we, um, I really felt... uh, I mean, I did a lot of contemplation. I talked to a lot of people. I sought counsel. I talked to my teachers um, because I'm interested in, truly interested in being able to to hold a very strong container for the growing process here at Inspire. And also, I'm really interested in learning how to become masterful in practicing non-judgment and unconditional love. And... I think that a lot of times we believe that love is very hefty, all gushy and yummy and all that stuff. But love is also very powerful and sometimes it looks like taking a stand and uh, creating not boundaries. I think that boundaries really sort of energize separation. But supporting, um, you know, our brothers and sisters on the path uh, to walk the higher ground. And that doesn't always look like, you know, Valentine's cards and puppy dog kisses. It can sometimes look like saying no and taking a stand because there is not a more powerful force than love. Love is not weak. It's never weak. And so uh, it felt like the right decision for everybody and uh, Kelly has been so wonderful in supporting us in uh, transitioning and I just wanted to share this with the group because she has um, you know 
worked with us. And also I'd like to open it up if anybody has any questions or anything that they'd like to share or even uh, thoughts of gratitude that they'd like to share for Kelly. And um, at this time, I think she's taking a little time, you know, a little step back, but um, she hasn't made a decision. You know, she is in the practitioner core. I think that she'd be interested in continuing that. Of course, this is her community and we all love her. And um, there's absolutely, uh, there's been no energy uh, that would suggest that she needs to go somewhere else at all. We are family here, and as family, we work through everything, even challenging situations and moments in time. So um, I'd like to just open up the the circle if anybody has anything that they'd like to share or say, and um, really give it time, give you time to, uh, I want to honor the process. Hi, this is Martha. Is she on um, call? I mean, is she on the phone call? No, she's not on the phone call, no. Oh, okay. Well, I was, I, is Vanessa on the um, phone? I'm sorry. I'm still on the road from the airport to the town. Um, oh, it's okay, honey. Okay. Because uh, Vanessa was the one that I heard it first, and then I felt like my heart just fell. Um, mm. But I'm just grateful for everything that she has done. But I also mm. learned um, that there's always changes. And um, the main reason that I'm here is to continue on my spiritual journey. And like we say, you know, sometimes people say, sometimes people go, and sometimes, you know, the role that we play in an organization changes. Um, so if she listens to this call, I love you very much, Kelly, and thank you. And um, and for you, Jesse, well, you know, I think this also gives us an opportunity to step a little bit more if you need, you know, assistance or whatever, you know. Well, I'm I'm here, you know, for whatever's needed, and I'm just grateful for everything that I've received from both of you, and from from the group and from the practitioner course, and it's making a big, big um, impact in my life right now. So thank you, and we'll move forward, you know, with love, like we say, and learning how not to be judgmental and to be loving. That's my main goal as well. That's what I wanted to share. Thank you very much. That's beautiful. And, yes, we move forward in love. absolutely still open if anyone else would like to share. And if you feel complete, well. This is Toki. I was shocked when uh, because I sent her a private message in Facebook uh, comparing some notes on the dictations that Jesse has made last Saturday. Uh, she said that yes, yeah, she, she is no longer in the yeah, she resigned. She didn't say it that way, but uh, yeah, I felt I felt so sad. But I know I sent. Uh, I know that we are all in the right place and at the right time. All of us at the same time, wherever we are, is a holy ground. Knowing that we are all children of God and we are all divine love. So I closed my eyes and sent Kelly 
that day, um, my love in my life as well as to the Inspire community, our family. So I love you all. I love you, Kim. Mm. Yes. Okay, beautiful. Wonderful, guys. So moving forward, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit about being a practitioner and what that actually means because I got a lot of clarity on that on my uh, on the retreat. And, um, you know, Jennifer made it very clear and she made it clear as in terms of um, what I should be, one, reminding everybody of and how we should be working. And also, she reminded me, like we said, of the importance of having practical applications so that we can apply the principles, apply the tools, use the tools that we are learning about so that we can experience miracles in our life because that's the point. Now, a miracle is not necessarily like, you know, I think we confuse miracles with getting what we want. (laughs) You know, like, it was a miracle. I got what I wanted. (laughs) And it seemed as if it was magic. So I think we confuse magical thinking with miracles. A miracle is an experience of love. Uh, And that comes as a result of a shift in your perception. A shift in your perception. Now, a lot of people, if you're really tied into the course community, a lot of people confuse a shift in perception with a miracle, but it's the shift in perception is the vehicle in which that takes us to the miracle. A miracle is an experience of love, and it is experienced often when two minds are joined together as one. Um, so, but, and we can say it's an experience of love, but we can also then say it's an experience of our true self, our true nature. In order to do that, in order to have the shift of perception, it takes a lot of unlearning, and that is what we're doing here. We are unlearning all of the stories and beliefs and all the stuff we've gathered along the way of our life and past lives, stuff that we brought into this experience, um, thoughts of feeling limited, you know, um, thoughts of, uh, you know, not enough, of unworthiness. We see, like, how that has translated into so many aspects of our life, you know, uh, oftentimes through ambition or through codependent relationships or through crisis situations over and over and over again. Um, And... So when we begin to, it feels challenging at first, of course, like anything starting something new, and there's this sort of seems like a um, a mountain that we have to climb over. And on the other side, you know, it's a mountain that we don't even want to climb over because we have no idea what the hell is on the other side. We have an idea that it's good, but we've had enough experiences, we've got enough stories in our life that uh, oftentimes it's disappointing or scary. So we don't want to make the climb. And we decide, well, just not this lifetime. We'll just stay at the foot of the other side of the mountain and struggle and compete and 
live in constant state of disappointment or anger or upset, blah, blah, blah. Well, we practitioners <laughs> have decided to grab the camping gear and climb the mountain to see what's on the other side, yes? And as we climb, uh, it's as if we get a clearer perception because the view is we get a more expansive view. And we climb and we climb. Now, the good news is, um, and this is something to remember, everybody, that if we, like, imagine that we all, let's use this climbing um, uh, analogy. So we have all this camping gear, right? And we're going up these, these, these paths, these trails up the mountain. And along the way, there's different villages we see. And maybe we spend time here and there at different, uh, with different things, checking out different cultures, checking out new whatever. And then we continue on the path and we continue to climb and the path is winding, but we continue to go. Well, what happens, Jennifer, what happens when you fall off the path? What happens when you fall down? Uh, well... There tends to be uh, more challenges, more feelings of suffering, more uh, confusion about how to get back. Um, And a lot of the times you revert back to everything that you've been trying to undo in order to understand or face this, you know, challenge of, of being lost or being um, being in a place that you don't know how to get back to where you were? Yeah. I would say that those experiences, using this analogy, that would be the falling down. But the good news is, is you just get back up. It's not like every time we fall down, we fall down. And this is a really important thing to uh, remember, guys, because a lot of times we'll have um, – sort of a wave of stuff come to the forefront of our mind, of our consciousness. And it's stuff that we were certain that we've healed before. Like, we have to do this again. I'm here again. What the fuck? You know, like, come on. But the important thing to remember is we just get back up. We dust it off. We didn't fall off the side of the mountain. We're not at the foot of the mountain again we're still exactly where we were on the path. We just fell down for a second, so we'll get up and we'll continue up the path. And I think that a lot of people feel like once yeah, something comes up, like let's say that there's a, a week where you're really depressed or you lose your shit and you yell at someone or you've been gossiping or you've been doing something, you hurt somebody's feelings, maybe even on purpose, maybe you stole or you lied or you whatever it was, something that is past behavior, uh, that sort of um, surfaced again, we feel like, well, I guess I haven't learned anything. And sometimes it even feels like the first part of the journey or the middle part is the hardest. And you feel more depressed than you were. You feel more anxious. You feel more on edge. And you're like, this isn't working. This stuff is not working because I was guaranteed the keys to the kingdom. And what seems to be unfolding is just waves and waves of shit. So what's up with that? Well, 
It's not that there's more stuff hitting the fan. That's not what, that is not what is happening. It's that you are now conscious of the stuff. You're much more conscious of the stuff. So initially, it feels like there's more of it, but there's not. It's the exact same amount as there always has been. You're just aware of it now. And that's where a lot of people give up. That's when a lot of people just throw in the hat. It's just too much. And uh, a lot of, in AA, there's a saying that once you go to AA, you'll never be able to drink comfortably again. And what that means is once you've walked in the doors, once you've gone to an AA meeting, whatever it was that got you there, it's planted a seed in your mind that so whenever you have a drink again, there's going to be that little seed will blossom and say, uh, are you sure? Are you sure you want to go down this road again? Are you sure you want to have this drink again? And maybe you do, maybe you have it anyway, but there is that thought of, are you sure about that? And the same thing applies, I think, to spiritual principle. Once you learn that you are responsible for your life, that you're um, experience in the world is an extension or a projection of your inner state of being, and then you can't really ever engage in hurtful, unkind, unloving behavior without there being a thought of, are you sure? Are you sure you're interested in creating this? Because now that seed of responsibility has been planted. There's an awareness that you are creating this. And the question is, are you sure you want to do it again? Because the only thing worse than having the shit hit the fan is having the shit hit the fan again and again and again. But like in AA, oftentimes you have to hit a rock bottom. You have to do it until you are 100% certain that you are powerless over the drinking or whatever and you can't do it anymore. There has to be another way. Same applies for these thoughts of separation, thoughts of unworthiness, thoughts of blame and shame, thoughts of all this stuff, thoughts of needing to overcompensate, the behaviors and the habits that go along with it. You just have to say, I am done. And the good thing about a rock bottom is that you get to choose what your rock bottom is. God willing, it ain't that bad. You know, it can be, I mean, honestly, you can look around your life today and say, you know what, this is as low as I'll ever get. And if it ain't bad, be like, that's good news. It's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. Can you guys still hear me? I uh, just want to... I can hear you, Jesse. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. So, um, so, yeah. So, being a practitioner, guys, it's not just about taking a course and getting a certification. A practitioner, uh, practitioner is a consciousness. It's a consciousness. 
And that's what um, Jennifer was really uh, making clear with me on this retreat when she would talk to me, that practitioner is consciousness. Minister is a consciousness. And she said, if your practitioners are not um, being a good representative of a practitioner state of mind, of a practitioner consciousness, then you cannot give them a license because they are representing not only your community and your leadership, the ecclesiastic body of the community, but they're representing practitioners, period. And their state of consciousness is directly reflective of the consciousness of the community and the consciousness of their leader, me. So I have to remind everybody that as a, for your job as a practitioner is next time you are feeling reactive in any scenario in your life, I don't care if you've gotten where you are because you're a ball buster and people know that about you. If being a ball buster is unkind, then it is time to shift the behavior. That doesn't mean you can't be powerful and strong. It doesn't mean that you can be a clear communicator and hold uh, an expectation of excellence in your work, but that doesn't mean it. But what it does mean is that as a practitioner, knowing what you know, understanding the law of cause and effect, and also understanding that the same creative essence which flows through the flowers and the trees that operates effortlessly in all of nature is operating through you as well. And that essence uh, in its purest form is love. And so how do you know if you are aligned with your true nature, with the essence of the universe? You are in love. Love is not something you fall in or fall out of. It is something that expresses through you naturally. But in order for it to express through you naturally, we have to clear out the garage. You know, we got to clear the blocks. We got one thought at a time. We have to do it. But we must become diligent in our practice. We must become diligent in our practice. And so if you're looking around at your work and you are ridiculously unhappy in your work, that's no longer acceptable. If you're looking in your relationship and you are unhappy in your relationship, it's no longer acceptable. If you are, um, and, you know, try as you may to escape having to confront some of the places in your life that may be a bit dysfunctional, you can't escape it forever. Eventually, you're going to have to explore it, examine it contemplate it, and then make the shifts necessary to support yourself in feeling good, in feeling aligned with love. Enjoying your life. I-N hyphen J-O-Y in your life. So of Course in Miracles says God is joy. So that's why we are going to enjoy ourselves, enjoy our lives. We're going to align with God, with our natural state of being, with our inherent truth. Now, if we think of, honestly, think of all the qualities of God. Think of all the qualities of God. Think of all the qualities of love. There's another way to think about it. All of them. 
list them out, write them down, have them all over your house, and then just remind yourself that all of those qualities are pre-installed within you. You inherently, you are, you on on a maybe it's even a subconscious level, you know how to access that and express that. It's your natural state of being. It's harder to be upset. It's harder to um, limit yourself than it is to actually shine your light, your luminous being. You're all light beings, right? So we're here to shine, man. And so that's why we begin to establish a practice, a spiritual practice. Now, our lives are our practice. It doesn't end once you get off the meditation mat or say your prayers and stuff like that. The practice continues into every word you speak, every relationship you have. That is your spiritual practice. Your life is your spiritual practice. And so I invite you to really develop an awareness and a consciousness of that And so whenever, I mean, it is so important to install that pause button, that cosmic pause button. You've got to install it. So what I mean by that is you pause before you speak. The most enlightened people I've ever been around talk very little. Think about that. They talk very little. And when they do speak, each word Uh, is mindful because they're conscious of what seeds they're planting in the world. And they're conscious of, um, I'm going to read a little excerpt out of Venerable's book, Learning Learning Cherokee Way. Actually, you know what? Because I feel like it really does, it really is beautiful um, and a real invitation to to talk about uh, sort of... um, support what I'm talking about now, but I will say this, that it's time, y'all, that we begin to prioritize the formal practice, the meditation, clearing our mind in the morning. I'm, I'm going to check in with you guys in just a second to see how the practice went this week that we talked about last week. You have one week. I'm interested to see what has unfolded in your life as a result of applying this, and then we're going to expand the practice a little bit. So I'd like to read this little excerpt from uh, Learning Cherokee Ways, the Oahu Path. Uh, she's talking about uh, when she was a little girl, she was trained. Uh, her She comes from a line of medicine people, so when she was little, her grandparents trained her to uh, learn how everything is interconnected and how uh, we're connected energetically. And uh, so very interesting childhood, <laughs> say the least. But what resulted was Venerable Tahani Oahu. So there you go. Okay. We were taught that it is better to leave positive thoughts and views as we walked by giving appreciation, listening, and honoring the different types of beings the environment, and the space we were walking through. The echoes of people's tears are like dust or mist floating in the environment. Sometimes the environment or objects can feel sticky. Other times, there's a sense of globals of energy, almost like emotional perspiration 
that is left by people. It's noticeable on objects. We learn not to wear someone else's clothes because one could hear all their thoughts. Sometimes people will loan their Sunday shoes because there were not enough good shoes to go around, but I was not permitted to do that. Over time, these globals and dust become more and more transparent. The past is very much alive, and these echoes contribute to the present. The echoes of people's tears are like dust or mist floating in the environment. Come on, how great is that? So what she is um, encouraging us to consider is we leave, like our energy is like dust, okay, that we leave on the path. So where we go, we are leaving the energy of our state of mind, our consciousness. So as practitioners, it is our job to be mindful of our state of mind, our emotional state, as we go through the world, become mindful, mindfully grateful of each step we take to be aware of our um, and appreciate the people who are in front of us. Of course, the miracle says that whoever is standing in front of you is your most important relationship ever. Whoever is standing in front of you is your most important relationship, meaning they are the love of your life. And it's our job to see the innocence in every living being and the importance of every living being, the sacredness of every living being, beginning with ourselves, which is why the practice is important. It reminds us of the sacredness of not only our own life, but of every life. And then, you know, Jacob Glass has said this, and I think it's so important to remember, really Write this one down, and he says, if you don't consciously give your thinking over to love in the morning, if you do not consciously hand your thinking over to love in the morning, by default, you hand it over to the ego. You hand it over to fear. So if you're not consciously aligning your thoughts with love by creating intentions for your day, by default, you're giving it to fear. So as practitioners, as a practitioner, I'm inviting you right now to stand in that. As a practitioner, it is your job to first thing in the morning, give your day to God. Give your thinking to love. That's why a gratitude list is so valuable. Write 10 things you're grateful for every day. That's why the offering practice that uh, we've been doing, drinking the water, blessing it, giving it, saying that it's medicine and blessing every life on earth. It's important. It's reminding you. The seven reminders are valuable because they are a guide. This nine precepts are valuable because they're a roadmap. They're, it's your GPS for the day. Be kind. Be honest. Own don't speak of the ills of people. Only speak of the good qualities of people because that's their only true qualities. All the rest is just a, uh, a case of mistaken identity, and we don't have to energize anybody's mistaken identity. We only energize the truth of our brothers and sisters. Our job is to see the innocence in everyone, and that is true forgiveness. 
Course in Miracles says that when we see the face of Christ reflected back to us, then all that is necessary is to take one more step into the gates of heaven, and that's God's job to lead us there. Our job is to be willing to see the innocence in everyone who stands in front of us, to know that every single person on this planet, living or dead, is deserving of your unconditional love. And until you believe that every single person living on this planet or dead or beyond is worthy of your love, then you will never experience unconditional love yourself. So how do we get there? What's our big tool? Forgiveness. And we'll get into more about true forgiveness. True forgiveness just being the ability to understand and believe that nothing bad has happened, that everybody is innocent, and that everybody is worthy of love. So practitioner is a consciousness. It's like, uh, it's like the um, key holders, you know, keys to the kingdom. We're conscious of how we move through the world, the words we speak. We're conscious of our thoughts and our thinking. We pause before we speak and we ask, what seeds am I interested in planting in the, in the universal consciousness right now? What energy am I leaving in this room? Am I walking around judging everybody? Am I so uh, wrapped up in the misery of my life, my upset that I'm not being mindful of the world around me? Am I so concerned with the small details or am I trusting? Am I loving myself enough to be conscious and aware? Am I being of service? Am I lifting up my brothers and sisters? Am I speaking to their potential? Or am I keeping them restricted in a box by talking about everything that's wrong with them and nothing that's right with them? It's about mastering true responsibility. And who can give me, in this sense, the definition of responsibility? All right, write this one down, folks. True responsibility is our ability to respond in love. Our ability to respond in love. And that is the job of the practitioner. So let's all take a deep breath in and exhale. And um, I'm going to open the circle up for discussion. Let's discuss what we just talked about. Can anyone hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. This okay. was Mark. I just had a moment of like, oh my God, I hope I wasn't on mute that whole time because 
That would have been a whole. <laughs> that would have been a whole thing. So, can you you can hear me, right? Oh yeah. Okay, good. Um, so, I noticed that um, this week I have been. I've been challenged um, to kind of stay in that place of holding others um, in that place of love and not kind of shifting into that kind of telling tales and, and talking about what's wrong. Um, you know, and it's, it's this, interesting process that for me I often find myself in the moment not really realizing that I'm in the moment and or how I got there and then trying to kind of be like okay I'm in the midst of this conversation and I know this isn't what I want to energize or affirm but I'm in it and it I kind of don't want to not be in it um and in kind of wrestling with those kind of two conversations in my head that kind of like wanting to raise to a higher level and progress and expand in in my own spiritual work and and practice. Um, And then the other side of that coin is also kind of just wanting to be in that moment and experience whatever the experience is. Um, So I, I very much appreciate that particular point and what you were sharing um, because I think it is a a space that I continue to work in and work through um, and something that for me just requires a lot of of diligence and um, um, discipline um, that depending on the environment I'm in, you know, sometimes it's a little bit easier and sometimes it's a little bit more challenging. So I would just want to offer that reflection that I, I hear what you're saying and I get it and I'm there and um, I'm working with it. Yeah, beautiful, Mark. Uh, great insights too. And I mean, that's the work, right? So uh, it does take discipline. I call it loving discipline because that's easier for me to work with. <laughs> but it takes loving discipline to work with our thinking, you know, um, so that we can have – a different experience. Someone's a little loud on the on the line, so just be mindful. Maybe mute your hands and else. Um, so uh, and also, you know, it's important to take a look at our environment. Take a look at our environment. Are you constantly finding yourself in a crazy, stressful environment? Because our environments will reflect our own consciousness. If we're taking full responsibility for our experience, our community is a great way to gauge the temperature of our own consciousness. So how do we begin to make a shift in the community that we are operating in? Practice forgiveness. You know, dedicate, that's why dedicating our growth, our practice to the happiness of all beings is so important. 
because it really is like placing vitamins or medicine into the water of our environment. And so if you're seeing a lot of discord or upset, then that is an indication or an invitation for you to do a little inquiry and say, okay, where in my life am I upset? Is there anything that I need to know? And that's a really good tool as well because we'll sit around analyzing and thinking about this or that for hours and hours and hours when when what we could start doing is calling on our spiritual consciousness to just say, what do I need to know? What do I need to know to support myself in, you know, being a healing force in uh, in supporting the healing of my environments? What do I need to know right here and right now? And, you know, the stuff will continue to come up and continue to come up until you have healed it. But you have to look at it as an invitation. You know, that that's the healing process. We've taken years to gather all this information about why the world doesn't work. And so, um, you know, and we've been in the practitioner course now for three months. So, <laughs> you know, so it takes a little time. The good news is when you're working with love, it's like, I mean, going at the speed of sound, you know. It's really much, much, much quicker. Love is the great healer, and you'll see results immediately once you start applying these principles. But we had to continue to apply them, be diligent in our practice, um, because a lot of times what happens is people will start using the practices, they'll see a shift or a change, and then they'll stop using them. It's like they forgot why they saw the shift or the change. It's because of the application of spiritual principles. And then they wonder why everything goes back to the way it was after they stopped using it. Well, because that's the medicine, that's the balm. That's the vitamin. You got to keep it healthy. Got to keep doing the work. And then what will happen is more and more expansion will occur. And what you'll find is you will have to be able to expand your ability to receive more. It's kind of cool, but yes. So thank you for sharing, Mark. Really great insights. And, um, you know, yeah, you are faced with that choice. Sometimes. I mean, sometimes you just got to tell that story one more time. You know what I mean? I get it. You just got to tell that story about what a what a douchebag your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend was, you know, or what what a how how mean and stupid your boss is just one more time or how how um you know, how bad the market is or how hard it is to find a job in your city. Like you just got to tell that story one more time and make it real for yourself for just one more week, you know. But eventually you'll begin to be like, okay, I'm done. I'm retiring the story. I'm retiring the belief. I'm retiring this experience because I'm much more interested in believing that, you know, there's plenty of jobs. The perfect job is out there for me. The perfect partner, the perfect um, boss, the perfect whatever. May I ask a question? You may. So, I guess what some of, in a particular situation that where this is coming up for me, it's, I'm kind of going a little bit back and forth with when do you stay in um in a situation like with a particular individual who you know is really triggering for you. So 
I know when I'm triggered, it's a, it's a signpost, an indication that there's something there to be healed. And at the same time, kind of having this moment of like, I'm triggered all the time by this person. They tend to have me, you know, get into the space of wanting to talk or complain about it. And is there a point of which where you say maybe it's not most serving for me to stay in this relationship or stay in this engagement with this person and it's better to shift my my situation versus no, this is for me to stay here and to continue to work with this and try to heal it even though I'm really challenged by it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any like tips of like how do you discern which is the most loving direction? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Funny you should talk bring that up. Uh just for clarity, you're not talking about me, are you? <laughs> um, <laughs> you're not bringing well, this up yeah. because it's about me, is it? No. Um that's a great, 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 great great question because what you're talking about kind of is a special relationship or a codependent relationship, which I know a lot about. Um, And what that usually is, is I will be this for you if you be this for me. I will be the person that, you know, initiates complaining for you if you're the person that, you know, uh, kind of complains with me or I'll be the person that, you know, will complain for you, be the complainer for you if you be the person that kind of like you know, is repulsed by the behavior for me. You know what I mean? Because then there's that wonderful dance of sort of um, sort of unspoken judgment or discomfort or resentment and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, there I don't think there is a real good answer, Mark, for that. It, other than I've learned that I don't necessarily enjoy throwing myself into learning situations anymore like I used to feel like I, I got that like um, there's plenty of opportunities for me to heal and the universe is always willing to support me in healing what needs to be healed through my relationships and situations and stuff like that. So, I mean, on one side, you're there. So you can trust that you're supposed to be there because you're there. The other thing is don't try to understand why. Don't get that analyzing out of it. And again, just say, okay, God, higher self, if I knew the questions to ask here, what would they be so that I can have a new experience? And the other part of it is don't engage in the behavior. You know, hold yourself accountable to not engage in the behavior. And, you know, um, this obviously relationship is bringing up something to be healed so you can be grateful for that. You know, when you're triggered, as a practitioner, when you're triggered, you can go to gratitude immediately because you can say, oh, thank God, I'm being triggered. Something's up for me to be healed. Now, if it's a repetitive pattern, if if the relationship feels unhealthy, you have every right to just step back and be like, this isn't working for me. Now, the opportunity here is to do that without making the person wrong because they're not wrong. But you can take a stand for what's important for you. And it's important to know that you're going to make mistakes along the way. As we learn to create the environment that we're interested in, as we learn to do that, become um, the medicine people, you know, and by medicine I mean in the invisible sense of it in our communities and environments, 
we do the best we can and we apologize when we need to apologize as we're learning how to navigate sort of a new consciousness, a new perspective, and new relationships. But you can begin possibly by affirming, starting, you know, the affirming that all my relationships are healthy and happy. I'm interested. I'm willing to only have healthy and happy relationships. I'm willing to have only healthy and happy relationships. And oftentimes, Mark, as we continue to do the work, as we continue to, you know, whatever the behavior is that your friend is exhibiting that feels exhausting now, allow that to be the invitation to continue to purify your thinking around that because they're only a projection. You're only judging that whole idea of you spot it, you got it. So what are what is it about that that you're judging? And then really allow yourself to explore and contemplate, okay, what is that, what behavior is that, you know, amplifying in me? What thoughts or judgment, inner judgment is this relationship amplifying in me? And then your work is to heal that within yourself. And oftentimes you'll discover the problem will easily resolve itself and you don't have to do anything except continue to do your purification work, purifying your thoughts, purifying your thoughts. You know, what do I need to know? I don't want to know more than I need to know. What do I need to know? What questions, if, if I knew the questions to ask to support me in healing this, what questions would they be? And then quiet your mind enough to hear, to get your response. And then pray for their happiness. Just pray for their happiness and peace and joy, whoever the friend is, whatever relationship that you might be having challenges with, you immediately go into prayer for the other person's happiness and their peace. And that's just how the process is. But as far as a clear cut, like when do you leave? You leave when you leave. You leave when you're ready to leave. Or you leave when the lesson is done. But here's the thing. You can cut the cords of the relationship. You can get out. But if you haven't healed it, then, you know, just prepare yourself because it's going to come right back you know, you're going to be in the same relationship with a different player soon, you know? So might as well use the opportunity now to heal whatever needs to heal within you. That's what I, that's, I mean, my my thought, you know, but. Thank you. Yeah. Does that, was that, was, did that help at all? Yes. Yeah. There, there was a lot of things you said there. So uh, there was, yeah, there are different parts of it that really resonated for me. So thank you. Yeah. I get excited by this work. I'll just keep talking. I actually remind myself. I'm like, okay. <laughs> when, when people's eyes start to roll back in their head, I know that's time to like <laughs> step back. <laughs> Brandon, we haven't heard from you today. Any thoughts? Anything you'd like to contribute? Hi, everyone. I haven't really, there's nothing that's been coming up for me except our conversation that we had uh, earlier this week about the morning practice that you assigned, which has been really, really nice for me, Uh, especially because I think I've been in such, um, for the past couple years, I've been in kind of heady type spiritual work. Um, with different programs and whatnot, that it was really nice to introduce, like, the shamanic, mystic-type Cherokee, like, earthy-type vibe to my life. 
And I realized that last week that was what I was missing because the first meditation that you is assigned in the seven reminders was, was one basically honoring that, you know, all life here is in relationship with each other. And I know that intellectually, but, you know, it takes a meditation or two or multiple to really let that sink in. And I was telling Jesse that I noticed that I watered like a couple hundred plants for someone, which I had never done before that evening. This was Saturday night. And then the next day, I just out of the blue, and I didn't put two and two together, but I volunteered to walk my uh, neighbor's dogs. I mean, not my neighbor, my roommate, who I never see him and his dogs because they're always traveling. I, I was like, you know, I bet they like to go to Runyon and they never go to Runyon. And that was the first time after having them in the same house as me for a year and a half, that was the first time that I, it really came to mind to really just do that. And I think in the past, it was always like these things are inconvenient and whatever. But what ended up happening for me was I was becoming gentler as the weekend progressed last weekend. And Sunday when I did that walk with the dogs and they're, they're not little dogs, they're big dogs. So it's, it was, it was challenging getting them in the car and whatnot, but it, the challenge had nothing on the joy and the gentleness that occurred during the walk and the process after. And for me, it was, it was, you know, the A Course in Miracles has this rock solid saying that joy is an inevitable result of gentleness. And I'm so hard on myself and I'm so hard on everyone else that when I take the time to be gentle, the joy just inevitably comes up. And I found myself saying at the end of Sunday, I'm like, this was one of the best days I can ever remember having and nothing significant or specific happened. And that's the beauty of what we're doing here. And that's beauty of spiritual principles is that they're never outside of us. You know, love is not lathered on, but simmered up. So for me, it was such uh, it was such a beautiful blessing to be able to incorporate living things and really um, just see how me interacting with uh, animals, you know, plants, people um, really ends up helping me treat myself better. And that's it. Yeah, beautiful. Being of service, you know, that's the magic of being of service without and and giving, uh, you know, uh, mastering the law of giving, Brandon. So often we will give with an expectation to get something back, and that could be in the form of even a thank you or acknowledgement for your work or anything. But when we give from the overflow, the space of generosity which is another reminder, one of the reminders of generosity, how it, you know, contributes to the abundance and the peace of all. But why does it contribute to the abundance and peace of all, Brandon? Why does your generosity contribute to the abundance and peace of all in the circle? So in your community, why? Is that a question? Yeah. Why does the my why generosity... Does, mm-hmm contribute to the abundance of all? The abundance and peace of all. Um, I, is there a specific answer that you're looking for? 
Well, it comes I mean, I, 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 I mean, I just know innately that um, I perceive the world around me um, through my eyes and my mind. So if I'm doing generous things and I'm seeing generosity and it's multiplying before me, but um, and and that and that uh, like kind of like what you were saying to Mark, that idea of you know really situating yourself around like I can't be a joyful peaceful peaceful person and hang out with the people that are not on that path with me. So I inevitably find more people and in that community and that unity and the accountability, we grow stronger in doing that. But that's all I got. I'm going to invite you also within that. It was beautiful what you said, but there's also a little bit of judgment in there. Um, and I'm just, since we're, we can have these kind of conversations here. Um, and, you know, let's contemplate Jesus for a moment and what Jesus did do. You know, Jesus was in the bars. Jesus went to where the people who were not practicing uh, anything or, quote, unquote, would seem like they were on the path were at. And he would heal these people. Now, part of how Jesus was able to do that was he was able to, without a doubt, know the truth about the person. And that when we are fully aligned in truth, there's no illness, there's no disease or dis-ease, there's no upset. And so he was so clear in his perception of everyone. He was so clear as the truth of what was happening that he was able to lift people up. He was able to at least get them to believe that he believed enough to allow them to, to meet at the level of the mind and experience the miracle. Now, the miracle, again, being an expression of love, of perfect love. The perfect love is our true essence. And in perfect love, in our true essence, there is no dis-ease or disharmony. So in that exchange of perfect love, did it manifest as physical healings and miraculous things like that unfolding, right? But, of course, through interpretation, how we see that, we're like, oh, Jesus is some kind of wizard. He's magic. But he's not. He just was the medicine man. He knew the truth. He was giving the medicine. And that is what we aspire to do as practitioners. And so our generosity, you were so spot on. We say, you, you know, our environment, it's our perception. But what we do is when we are practicing generosity, when pure generosity, when we're giving from that space of pure giving, uh, one, not only does it inspire others to do so, but it is allowing us to shift our perception of there's so much, I have so much to give. There's an infinite supply because we are all infinite. You can't give from the overflow without knowing the truth. And in so doing, you, you recognize the truth in everybody, thereby shifting the consciousness in the community. And that's what I mean by like putting the water in the medicine. It goes out into the energetic webs of our circle. So when it says our generosity contributes to the, I forget how it says it exactly. Hold on, let me look at it. If she says it quite masterfully. You know, generosity of heart and action bring peace and abundance for all in the circle. Generosity of heart, love, giving freely of our love and action and of our service. Um, 
bring peace and abundance for all in the circle. So not only are you tapping into infinite potential, your creative source, but you're knowing that it's possible for everyone, thereby inspiring a healing and a shift in perception in everyone, even if it's on a very subtle level. And that's how your generosity is shifting it. But also, we have to know that everybody's on the path with us. Everybody, everybody, everybody is on the path with us, even if they don't seem to be. Everybody is on the path with us because we can't not be on the path. We may be at different places on the path. We may not be as conscious, and there's some people ahead of the path, um, further along the path than we are, which is why we enroll them and invite them to be our teachers. But everyone's on the path with us, and that's how we get to really begin to embody our purpose is when we go into, you know, the brothels, the bars, the whatever, and see perfect innocence being expressed in everybody and see it for them and love them and practice that non-judgment. And it can be a challenge, man. It can be a real challenge, especially when, like, you know, we've had to do a lot of healing work around specific behaviors that we... I think you misunderstood what I said. And I don't want people to think that... Yeah, it had had to do more with who is, like... um, I did. I just don't want you to put words in my mouth because I do do that, and on a daily basis, I'm working with people who are like that. Right. So um, <clears throat> the judgment is not. Um, there's not judgment in who I'm helping, but there's there's very direct judgment in who I am making uh, like consistent day to day relationships with because they've expressed willingness to do the things that I'm willing to do. And it's not to say that other people are doing that aren't doing that are doing it wrong or um, it's not right. It's just not, you know, I'm not going to temple because that just doesn't feel like my path. And um, I'm not going to hang out. You're not going to what? I'm not going to like temple, uh, you know, like a, or a synagogue because, that has uh-huh. called to me. So I'm talking right. about I'm surrounding myself. My the, the circle, <laughs> in me. a smaller sense, is you know I look at the practitioner course as a circle, my people and my other programs as my circle. And you know since I'm not perfect yet, since I'm not Jesus Christ at this moment, um, I do find myself needing to be with those people more than other groups of people. Um, but that doesn't keep me from them ultimately, and that doesn't prevent me from helping them and being of service to them, which is something that I am very ingrained in. Yeah, no, and please please don't, and I apologize if you felt like I was saying this is exactly what you're doing. I think I used that more of a springboard uh, for a broader conversation. Um, And so I absolutely want to maintain high integrity with my speech and whatever. So I apologize if I, uh, if that's what it sounded like because uh, that's not what I intended to express. So, but, um, yeah, well, absolutely. What you're saying is about aligning with your tribe to support you in becoming masterful in that, which is what, we're, of course, we're all doing. Um, I just, to, just to for a broader share of that, of that uh, for us all to just contemplate and consider. Because, that was my experience. I was highly judgmental. Um, 
uh, you know, I mean, it took me a long time to, I mean, especially when we were meeting in bars, and I got called out on that a lot when I would talk about, you know, like, well, we're here doing this, we're not here polluting our bodies and, you know, getting naked and dancing and da-da-da-da-da-da, and I had to point out many times that I was, there was a lot of judgment there, and so part of my journey was definitely getting very clear on even the, the subtle ways that the judgment and separation you know, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm this, but I'm not that, would creep into my speech and the way that I held things and how I would create it. And what I created was a bunch of separation in my life. Um, and again, that's my experience, and I'm not projecting that onto Brandon. I want everybody to hear that. I'm not projecting that onto Brandon at all. Um, but uh, it definitely gave, it was a great, you know, place to, broaden the, the conversation. So thank you for your willingness to share, Becca. You're Is welcome. there anything else anything else you'd like to you'd like to uh, add? Uh, kind of what Mark was talking about, and I think that's where my conversation was coming from. It wasn't any type of group of people. It was just whenever I felt gossip or um, you know things that didn't feel um, loving come up in conversation and I used to beat myself up about it because I'm like crap I just went a whole hour talking to a friend about something or someone or whatever and not the best way and <clears throat> and it occurred to me that um, you know gossip for me lives at the level of pride and for a long time I lived at the level of anger and sadness and shame. So anytime gossip comes up, it allowed me to energize just a little bit into this level of pride where it's like, crap, I'm no longer feeling badly about myself for this moment. And, um, and so I took the practice of saying, you know what, thank you universe for you know, helping me get my energy up a little bit. I'm willing to move into courage and kindness and happiness now. And um, the more I did that, the more I was able to still be around the same people who were, were saying similar or the same things. But also, I got, I, I got into this really joyful way of, like, redirecting things all of a sudden or asking pointed questions to my friends about themselves. And obviously, I'm, I still don't do that perfectly. But the main thing for me in learning not to um, let myself – go into those negative mind spaces is to first realize that I'm okay in there as long as I don't stay in there. And that's all I'm going to say for now. <laughs> How dare you? Um, yeah, you know, and this again, guys, uh, because, again, from personal experience, I would beat myself up when I went into judgment or gossip or exhibited specific behaviors. And that's not the point of this either. It's not the point of this. The, the, the invitation is to develop an awareness. How do you feel when you do it? Are you interested in feeling that way? Become conscious and mindful of each, um, each time you exhibit any behavior, what is the result of that? When you are generous, how does that feel? When you're gossiping, how does that feel? 
What's the residue of the energy that is left behind as a result of your action? And as practitioners, we develop the ability, we strengthen the muscular system of mindfulness. And we do so by creating a spiritual practice um, by introducing tools that will support us in doing that. Meditation. I feel like meditation, listen, some people's whole gig is meditation. It's done wonders for them. That's wonderful. Here, I teach meditation as a tool to support us in clearing our mind, quieting the thinking so we can have, create the space for our spiritual consciousness to guide us. Yes? And prayer, affirmative prayer, which supports us in cutting through the crap and going into the truth, releasing the stuff that doesn't serve us and remembering the truth of who we are and then sharing it, you know, putting the medicine in the water, putting it out there, okay? So this next week, we are going to continue with the exact same practice. We are going to do another cycle, another seven days of one reminder a day, contemplating it for five minutes of meditation, writing in your journal. You're going to do the water blessing in the evening um, and, uh, you know, blessing the water, blessing it, uh, allow it to be medicine for all beings. Take a little sip, put it on the side table, drink it in the morning after you brush your teeth, and then contemplate the reminder and the nine precepts. And... You guys are going to be so excited by this. And we're going to, um, I'm going to email you all after this class a morning prayer cycle. So there's three prayers that you will read at the end of this before you leave. You can put it anytime, anytime. You do it in the morning or in the evening or uh, in the morning or morning and evening. I would print some out, fold it up, and have it with me whenever, and just do it whenever I can because they're so wonderful. So I'm going to read you the prayers now, then we'll take a little break, and we'll review the reading for the week, okay? So this is the morning prayer cycle. First prayer is the healing prayer, the healing prayer. It goes like this. I am a master of divine expression. I now release all separation and limitations that no longer serve my path of light. I release all vows of poverty and limitation I have ever made in this and past incarnation. I release all imprints, implants, and negative thought forms, negative patterns of the human ego, illness and disease patterns, and all energies that no longer serve my path of light. By the intervention of divine grace, with my full intent, I choose to release all energies of separation, limitations, and all blockages back to the universe. I ask for these energies to be purified and transformed into the highest form of light. I offer the benefits of my healing to all living beings so that all may experience peace. In gratitude, I let it be. And then we go into the prayer for divine love. In the name of my beloved, I am present. I call the power of divine love to be magnified within my heart and world daily. I am love, joyous love, radiating love, unconditional love. God consumes my shadows, transmuting them into love. This day, I am a focus of divine love flowing through every cell of my being. I am a living stream of pure divine love that can never be requalified by fear, anger, hatred, dislike, and greed. 
All negative thoughts and feelings are now dissolved and consumed by the power of divine love, which I am. I am, I am, I am love. I live in the consciousness of love. I am love in its fullest expression, blessing all mankind with divine love. I radiate love. I am love in action, blessing, uplifting, and healing all on earth. And then we close with, <clears throat> I call it the prayer of the practitioner, but it's also a prayer, uh, I think, of true abundance. And other people know it as the prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. Divine Master, grant that I may not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, in in pardoning that we are pardoned, and in dying that we are born to eternal life. So that's how you can... Those are three prayers that you can do every day. And we're going to experiment by by doing them for seven days in a row. And I invite you, when you say the prayers, to read them slowly and mindfully. Allow each word to sink in. And when you do any practice, know why you're doing it. So it's not a mindless dance. Every step along the way means something, that it is an offering practice, that everything you do is for the awakening of all life to their oneness with perfect love. That way, we're not just going through the motion, because what's the point in that? So do you have any questions about the practice in its entirety now for the next seven days? So it's exactly the same as you've been doing these seven days. And then you're going to add in the prayer cycle. Cool. So we're going to take a little break. We'll review the reading. And then we're going to leave the last 10 minutes. And Jennifer and Soki, you can share about your experience with, well, actually, we'll just take a break. And then we'll come back. We'll save the first 10 minutes. And Jennifer and Sophie, you can share your experience with uh, the practice that we've been doing. Um, It's 9.53, so uh, why don't we just take a three-minute break to go potty, refill your water, do a little stretch. So I'll see you back here at 9.56. Please stay on the line. Just keep your phone on mute.
Okay, okay, okay. So, uh, Soki, would you like to share your experience with the uh, morning practice? How did it go? Did you do it? What are your thoughts? After morning practice, I when I wake up, I drink the water. I bless the water. May it uh, heal me, and my life would be a blessing to the world. So that's what I do, and I also meditate and do my journal. That's in the evening. Great. Did you uh, did you read the seven reminders and the nine precepts? Yes, I I read them every morning, and I meditate on each one of the reminder every day. How? What's your experience with it? How did you? Uh, did anything come up? Did you have any insights? Well, I love the water <laughs> ceremony. And uh, the insight is that um, that comes to me is um, what I like most is number four, the generosity of heart and action brings peace and abundance for all in the circle. Actually, I told that to Kelly. When she told me that she's not working as uh, administrative assistant for uh, she's not working for Inspire anymore, so my I I replied to her number four, generosity of heart and action brings peace and abundance for all in the circle, and I thank her for being so generous to our inspired spiritual family and that is what I like most. And I'm surprised because I have three different people come to me for help asking me about about spirituality <laughs> just this week. And I said to myself, Lord, are you calling me for this service? And I share, and what I really like is that uh, number the nine the in the nine precepts code of conduct, be a confident and carry no tales. Because um, at the beginning, uh, at the start of the the journaling process on day one, I really it, it was heavy for me because I edited my co-workers uh, life what they call that uh, life story and she will use that in the court so she confided me all this personal journal that she wanted me to edit and I said again Lord why are you giving me this work and it's very timely because as I edit her work, I also found healing in myself. And the number four precepts, uh, oh no, 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 it's the number four, it's number three precepts, really, 
um, thought on me, which is be a confident and carry no tales. And I became I, a, trust, a trustworthy friend and not to share really her secrets and everything that's in the journal to anyone but just to me and to her, knowing that God gave me this mission and this job and this task so there would be forgiveness. Beautiful. I think the bottom line of everything in all this hurt and pain, and even if we're going to use this uh, journal in court, the bottom line is a call of forgiveness. And as I go through editing this uh, journal, I also found healing in myself. Beautiful, Soki. Beautiful. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for applying that and living it. And, uh, you know, I think that's a great example of how, you know, like you just said, the generosity of heart and action uh, creates peace with everyone in the circle. People are noticing it. You know, it, it becomes magnetic and good for you for sharing. Beautiful. So for um, the sake of our time here today, I'd like to go to Jennifer. And Jennifer, would you like to share uh, your experience? Sure. So earlier earlier in the conversation today, Jess, you were talking about people who have done a lot of work and they've seen these amazing benefits and then all of a sudden they're not seeing those benefits anymore and they're kind of confused as to why they're not going to just continue to get benefits. Um, and it's because they're they're not practicing in a conscientious manner. And that is pretty much where I'm at today. So in doing this exercise with the seven uh, reminders each day, it was like I was reading something that I already know that I already know I'm out of integrity on. So the first one, of course, hit me pretty pretty hard because I've been cultivating um, a vegetarian heart for the last, like, four years, and I've been going through this struggle of um, really trying to find compassion for all beings and to allow that to extend into my um, everyday habits. And so the first one right off the bat, what walks, swims, lays, or crawls is in relationship to one another, um, really got me like, okay, today is the day that I recommit my vegetarianism. And um, I am back on that path. And in fact, I shared that with my prayer partner, Zach, who's not with us today, but he, in solidarity, did four days of vegetarianism himself. So that was kind of a fun little share that we had this week. And that just is basically what happened every day. I was like, okay, step one, go back to being vegetarian. Step two, you know, what occurs around and within reflects one's own mind and shows the dream one is leaving. And it was like, okay, yes, I used to have a very solid um, practice of being humble and being always in a state of learning and being always in a state of I don't know. And um, lately I think I know everything and I want to be the boss of everybody and, you know, things have shifted. So each day, basically each day was just a really good reminder of something that I used to practice and don't anymore. And um, it felt a little overwhelming when I kept going and was like, oh my God, like I have to add all these things back to my life. But, you know, I thought back to what you were saying about, you know, the complaint of how inconvenient it is to have peace and joy and, you know, the funny entendre of that. Um, 
And so, yeah, it still feels a little bit overwhelming, but it's nice that we're going to go back into another week of doing these sevens so that I can stay connected to these recommitments, to all of these practices that I used to be really, um, really conscious of. And that was kind of my experience. Beautiful. Brandon, what do you think I'm about to talk about? I think you're about to talk about the choice of what to eat and how we eat it. (laughs) Yeah. So actually I'll let Brandon share. Um, I showed Brandon a video when I was on retreat, Jennifer, I was, you know, uh, with this great teacher and she truly is like, you know, she, she's a, the 27th in the lineage of this, uh, you know, medicine people. She's the chief of this Cherokee tribe. And she is acknowledged as the reincarnation of this great Buddhist teacher and a Dakini. So it surprised me. Like, I heard stories of, like, someone being in front of her and then, like, killing a mosquito on their neck and her saying, did you really just do that, you know? And so it came as a surprise when um, she asked me to make a chicken dinner for everybody. Actually, first it was a lamb. She wanted me to make a lamb dinner for everybody there uh, one night. And then since lamb might not have been so available, um, they uh, she just asked for chicken. And I was like, what? And so uh, I had the opportunity to ask her about vegetarianism. And like, well, what's up with that? If, if every life is precious, then what's, I mean, you know, how, I, I didn't understand how she could eat meat. And Brandon, would you like to share her response? I'm obviously not going to do it justice. Um, Jesse was kind enough to share a really beautiful video of the teacher and uh, Venerable Dahani. Um Wahoo, I believe, and Jesse point blank asked her about uh, eating uh, meat or um, vegetarianism, and among the many beautiful things she said, what really struck me is that she said when any, any time, and Jesse, I'm going to mess this up, any time like a blade of grass is cut, or something, it's killed, or anytime we pull something, it's killed. But what I got from it is that the whole idea of eating and nourishing ourselves is that we need live things to sustain us. So um, if if we do it in a compassionate way, in a grateful way, then that's the main thing that matters. And and now I'll let Jesse. <laughs> share the rest of it. Cor- correct you and what you just said. No. Um, <clears throat> to add on to these, Brandon's beautiful share. Um, you know, she's this, <clears throat> I mean, how can you mess with a Cherokee chief who's so connected to every living thing and sees every plant and every tree as alive and can hear and was taught to communicate with them, to communicate with nature and to really see the life force in it, right? So she shared that you know, she'd been vegan, she'd been vegetarian, and sometimes as your body grows old or some people need 
uh, specific nutrients from meat. The Dalai Lama eats meat because his doctor said that he can't survive without it. So he, he so the Dalai Lama, the the you know reincarnation of the Buddha, eats meat. And so I really has been something that I thought about because I had the guilt, the meat eating guilt. But she said the first thing she said is one can hear the cry of the kale if it's you know uh, when it's cut. And she was serious and she was so insightful for it not necessarily being what we put into our mouth but what's coming out of our mouth and to be in a state of mindfulness in every step of the meal preparation so to be mindful of where you do get your meat and as you're grocery shopping to be mindful of how you treat the person who is selling you the meat the person that's checking you out are you practicing kindness and love with them when you're preparing the food is there love infused in it and before you eat do you bless it to think every life force that had anything to do with getting this meal in front of you, all the hands that went into getting this meal in front of you to nourish you and support you. So there's this idea of, uh, and and listen, if you feel led to rock out a vegetarian diet because it's supporting you, I go for it. Do it with your whole heart, but do it mindfully and also bless the food. Continue to stay mindful mindfully in love as you eat and prepare the food and know that even the flowers and the trees and everything, the vegetables are living beings as well. It's their vitality that's supporting your, you know, um, nourishment. And if you aren't, if you don't feel led to being vegetarian, Jennifer, my teacher Jennifer was like, she goes, man, when I'm around venerable, I need really earthy food. I have to eat a lot of beef and things like that. But She's so mindful and loving in the process and is very mindful of where she gets to meet, how it's raised, but does her very best to bless every step of the way. And so we're very conscious of the blessings that are coming to us to support us and nourish us and um, and giving thanks to the animals or the plants that have generously given up their self so that we may survive. Now, there can be a conversation about overconsumption and waste and stuff. 70, get this, <coughs> to kind of uh, plant the seeds of mindfulness around this, 75% of the food raised and farmed and given out to be distributed in America is wasted. So we only consume 25% of the food that is harvested and grown. 75% of it is thrown out, especially in grocery stores. So when we develop that mindfulness of appreciation for every step of the process, then we are contributing and participating in that natural energetic dance of life and being grateful for each step. And uh, Jennifer, please don't hear that as a shaming, but it is such a cool conversation <laughs> that yeah, I'm so just- fresh. Yeah, I'll just add one thing, and that is that, you know, when I was challenged to try vegetarianism, I did not have any desire to be a vegetarian, but the challenge came with the guarantee that if I practiced vegetarianism for however long I could, that my ability, my capacity for compassion for everything would grow. And I took that challenge on, and I find that, in fact, that guarantee has held true and whether or not I continue to stay vegetarian in the future, the practice of abstaining from meat has 
really affected my heart and really made me much more conscious of, you know, of the equality of everything in the world. So, you know, I do encourage people to to try it as a practice to expand their compassion they feel so drawn to. Beautiful, beautiful. And, you know, Martha, I forgot to ask you to check in with you. How did the practice go for you? Very interesting. Yeah. Well, I did half-seas. I mean, I did through the water, and I did some of the um, journaling and some of the, um, can't think of the word you use for them. The reminders? What I did notice, uh-huh, when I noticed is that when I did do, like, the reminders, uh, like Jennifer mentioned before, it's like when you go within and you do the spiritual work, it's like, the perspective is different and you feel different. So I did notice that my days would go more smoothly. Um, yeah, very interesting. I'm over here in Mexico and you were talking about the whole honoring and um, of the elders when you mentioned that. And in my head, I was thinking more like, like uh, the living ones. And I was having medical issues again, female. So I called the person that um, helps me out and came out with that I'm supposed to do like a blessing in my grandfather's land over here in Mexico with both of my grandfathers. Like I need to get some dirt from my father's side and take it to my mother's side and mix up both um, the dirt together and then do... uh, a ritual of my choice on their land for the healing for my ancestors. And so, it, mm. I don't know, it's just, it was very interesting that everything's just happening. I don't know. It's um, it's very powerful. And um, more consistency on my part, I know. But um, I'm getting there. I think uh, you mentioned uh, regarding meditation. And I think I know, I know that I need to do that. Because like I said, just the, the days that I did do um, the reminders, it just made a big difference because it reminded me of what's important and it just takes me to that other space mm-hmm. and makes me more conscious of my truth and everybody's truth, that we are love and that we all from one source and um, life is more joyous that way. Um, yes. So, so that was my experience this past week. Beautiful. And, you know, I'll just hold the space that, um, you know, this week will be a little more consistent than last week. And, again, it's part of our learning. It's part of our learning. And what I do know is that the more we commit to the process and do the practice, the like Martha just shared, you know, the more you'll see the results. It's simple math. So um, thank you for joining us on the path, Martha. And I just know that the more that you, uh, you know, participate for yourself in your own time, Mm -hmm. uh, the more results you'll see. I'm excited to hear about this next week. So I'm going to really invite you to do your best to do every day, no matter what, just to see, just to see as an experiment. Okay. Cool. I'm on board. I'm also... I'm also interested to see uh, how your ceremony goes for your, your ancestral okay. ceremony. is kind of cool. 
Yeah, so, very interesting. Um, so the reading, guys, I actually, I just want to acknowledge, like, your homework was really great this week, and it's been getting much more clear. And this is actually, uh, this next week is the last week we're going to be in Living the Science of Mind. Uh, and then we're going to go to our next book. And I really would like to just take a moment to bow to your comprehension of the material. You're really understanding the interconnectivity of everybody. The, uh, you know, getting a clear understanding of oneness, what's actually going on. Getting a clear understanding of, um, you know, the door that only you can open, I think, was such an important chapter. <clears throat> and you all had it so clearly. I can't do the healing for you. Nobody can do the healing for you. You have to choose to open the door yourself. And, you, and it's only going to open. You're only going to step through it when you're ready. And it's up to you to decide when that is and how you do it. Um, this book is such a great book. And I trust that this will be a book that you all will have in your library for the rest of your lives. Because it's a great book to go back and reference and resource. And I mean, I, I got to tell you, like, this book for me is one of the most colorful books I have because it's been highlighted and underlined and starred and hearts and all the stuff around it uh, because it's just so clear. But I'd like to actually finish today because I am mindful of the time um, with a chapter that we didn't read. And we're going to take the last few minutes to read it together. And it's on page 185. And if you're driving or whatever, just be an active listener. And so I'm going to invite uh, Jennifer, Brandon, and Mark to be the readers. And um, <coughs> and then uh, the meditation, uh, I'll read the meditation. Um, so if I didn't say your name, be an active listener. And Jennifer, Brandon, and Mark will go in that order and just do... Uh, Page by page. I'm sorry, what page are we starting on? Page 185. 185. Got it. Getting along with people. Actually, you know what? Let's do paragraph by paragraph. Okay. All right. Rock and roll. Hey, 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 Jesse. Yeah. Quickly, I I have a Kindle. So what section? Getting along with people. Okay. Thank you. As inspired by Mark's previous share. But, guys, this is such an important chapter, uh, especially as we talk about representing, I like to call it being a brand ambassador for Inspired Spiritual Community, but more so being a brand ambassador for God, for love, for true love. So, um, Jennifer, Brandon, and Mark. No one can live to himself alone. Other people are so much a part of our lives that we cannot think of living without them. People who feel themselves excluded from society are maladjusted. On the other hand, much of our troubles comes because of others. In our relationships with others, others, two things must happen if we are to be happy. We must be with others, enjoy them, and act with them without in any way seeking to control their actions. This is not always the easiest thing to do, particularly with our closest friends. You may be certain, (laughs) but you may be certain that the one who has the largest number of friends is the one who can work and play with them while at the same time letting them alone. This is true even in family life. 
for the family is made up of individual members who must live in close relationship with each other and work and play together, while at the same time remaining individuals. It is a fortunate child who is born into a family that understands this and that gives the child as much freedom as possible, while at the same time teaching him to cooperate with others. The overprotected child loses his self-confidence. When he grows up, he lacks self-assurance. The child who feels neglected, unloved, and unwanted is likely to grow with the with con- unconscious feeling that everything and everyone is against him. He is apt to develop either an over-aggressive or under-aggressive attitude toward life. When his attitude lacks the proper amount of aggressiveness, he continually lives in dependence on others and gets along well only with those who are protected and caring for him. When his attitude is over-aggressive, he finds it difficult to get along with others for he generally lacks, uh, excuse me, generally seeks to dominate them. The well-adjusted person is one who has been permitted to be an individual, but who also has learned to cooperate with others. This attitude probably was formed way back in the early family life, for it is here that we become conditioned for the years ahead. But we cannot be born again physically, nor can we actually return to the days of our infancy. However, modern psychology does, in a sense, do this for the poorly adjusted person. He is taken back in imagination to infancy, and his mental and emotional reactions, which well up from the under part of his mind and memory, are brought to the light of day. This is a slow and expensive process. Few people could afford either the time or the money to go through with it. Moreover, there are not enough analysts in the world to handle even a small fraction of the ones who need help. But there is another thing that we can do, something that Jesus knew about, something he referred to when he said, you must be born again. And when they asked him how it could be possible for a man to be born again, he said, you must be born of the Spirit. This is the new birth that comes through a new outlook on life, a new way of thinking a new sense of our relationship to our environment, to the people around us, to ourselves, and to God. It was this relationship to God that Jesus placed first, for he said that if you find this, everything else will be added. Today we know that the psychological, emotional, and mental readjustments which are necessary to our well-being will be made if we experience this new birth that Jesus was talking about. In order to do this, we must have a firm conviction that all people live in God, and we must have a deep realization that we are all one in this universal spirit, which is God. There is a place where we begin and leave off physically, but there is no place where we begin and leave off mentally or spiritually. Our minds merge with the minds of others, and as they meet, some silent force within us attracts or repels automatically in accord with our accepted thought patterns. If we do not merge with others in cooperation, in unity, and in happiness, we may be certain that there is something in us that still feels it has to be rebuffed. Here's where the adjustment has to be made. What we must do is to see that we ourselves are adjusted to others. We neither wish to dominate them nor wish wish them to dominate us. We wish to get along with them happily they have opinions that are different from ours. We must be flexible enough to recognize that their opinions are right for them, even though they do not fit into our scheme. This is what Jesus called non-resistance. When he spoke of non-resistance, 
he did not mean that we must agree with every person's opinion. He meant exactly what he said. Do not resist it. Let it alone. Do not even try to dominate it. If we do not resist it, it will depart from us. It will not disturb us. If we can get over the idea of trying to control other people's thoughts or actions and still live with them in happy relationships, we shall be well on the road to readjustment. And above everything else, if we can trace our own origin back to its original source, which is God, and do the same for everyone else, we shall find that we are getting along with others. If you want sunshine, step out into the sunshine. If you have locked yourself away in a dark closet, why not come out into the light? If you have been feeling that everything is against you and no one really cares for you, know that God is in everyone and meet the God in others and see what happens. It is remarkable how Jesus approached this subject. It is as, it is as though he said, you think that you were born of flesh and blood. You think that your parents gave you life. You think that everything that has happened to you since you were born is held against you. You think that all negative thoughts you have ever had are operating against you. You think that all the fears and failures and doubts and uncertainties you have been carrying around for years are something over which you have no control. Why not try something else? I have a method which will work for you if you will let it. Just forget all the past. Forgive yourself and everyone else for everything that has ever happened. Try to feel that everyone is doing about the best he can. Come to realize that. While you were born into this world through your parents, you really are a spirit. You really are born out of life. The thing that entered into you when you were born was God, the living spirit. Why not get back to the true center of your being and think and act and live from the point of view that you are one with everything because you are one with God. Jesus gave to us the secret of complete adjustment when he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Go back in your thought and your imagination to the central idea. I am one with God. All people are one with God. We all live in God. When I meet others, it is God in them I meet. God individualized, God personalized, God as my friend. Jesus added the spirit to the knowledge of what today we call psychology, or the way the mind works. He did not deny that people are unhappy or badly adjusted to life. He did say, you do not have to be this way. Speak first, things first, and everything else will be added. And by the first things, and by first things to which everything is added, he meant, find God in yourself. This is why he said, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. If people look drab or uninteresting to us, it is because of the way we look at them if we have not received joy from others, it is because we have, not, we have stifled joy at the center of our own being. Joy must go forth to meet joy. Love must go forth to meet love. All people are rooted in God, and it is only as we go down to the root of our being that we unify with others in spirit and truth. Everything that follows is the play of life upon itself.
Beautiful. Brandon, uh, Brandon, could you read that last paragraph that Jennifer just read again? If people look drab or uninteresting to us, it is because of the way we look at them. If we have not received joy from others, it is because we have stifled joy at the center of our own being. Joy must go forth to meet joy. <clears throat> love must go forth to meet love. All people are rooted in God, and it is only as we go down to the roots of our own being that we unify with others in spirit and truth. Everything that follows is the play of life upon itself. Beautiful. Hey, Mark, would you read that last paragraph that Brandon just read? Mark? Sorry, I was on mute. If people look drab or uninteresting to us, it is because of the way we look at them. If we have not received joy from others, it is because we have stifled joy at the center of our own being. Joy must go forth to meet joy. Love must go forth to meet love. All people are rooted in God, and it is only as we go down to the roots of our being that we unify with others in spirit and truth. Everything that follows is the play of life upon itself. Because I am one with God, I am one with all people. Because I am one with life, I am one with everything that lives. I feel my union with people and with nature. I feel that I belong to life. I love life and I enter into the joy of living. I enter into companionship with others, into cooperation with them. And I know that something within me reaches out and embraces the whole world. Something within me blesses everything it touches, brings life and happiness and joy to everyone. Something in me acts as a healing balm, restoring everything to its natural and native perfection. As I silently listen to the spirit within me and think of its perfection, I know that I am being born again, born into joy and hope and gladness, born into love and faith and assurance. Silently, I release every negative thought from my mind. I loose it and let it go. And I, too, pray that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Final thoughts? That was amazing. Yes. Everyone, everyone is the light of the divine. Everyone, whether they are aware of it or not. It is our job to know it for them and mm. to treat them accordingly. True compassion is holding the space of truth for everyone, even if they don't have the capacity to do it for themselves at that moment. And so we extend our love, our kindness, our compassion by the tool, by using the tools of cooperation and kindness with all, releasing expectation and extending a hand. Now, similar to what Brandon was sharing before, and I feel like this is relevant, on your path, if you are going forward, always extend your hand behind you. And if they don't take it or they resist, just let go. Continue to go forward. 
knowing that they will catch up in time. But that doesn't mean that you have to stifle your own journey. Allow your vision to unfold. Invite everybody to participate. And if they're not ready, they won't come. That's fine. They'll get there. They have to open the door themselves, just like you have. You know, blessed are the righteous, you know, those who seek righteousness. That's us. Those are the practitioners because they will be filled with it. But Martha, like you said too, we get filled with it through our commitment to be diligent, to be committed to the process so that we can open ourselves up so we can learn how to be comfortable in the goodness of spirit. Yes. Taking a deep breath in, we place Zach and Vanessa and Kelly in the center of our circle. We send them so much light and love, knowing that where they are, God is. Where they are, peace is. Where they are, brilliance resides. So grateful. So thankful. Grateful to be in community. Grateful to be the two or more that are coming together with the shared intention of experiencing a greater awareness of love in, as, and through our life releasing any blocks that might prevent our unfolding, the deepest level of healing available here and now. As we stand in the truth of who we are, we go forward today with our heart and minds in perfect congruency. We shine our light and we see the light in all, thereby sharing all the healing benefits of our awakening with everyone. We are the medicine. We are putting the medicine in the water for the awakening and the joy and the peace of all sentient beings. May nobody suffer in grace and gratitude. We release this word, we allow it to be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Go, have a beautiful day. I kept you over, but it wasn't it so worth it. <laughs> I love you guys so much. Make sure you call your prayer partner. Brandon, I believe you and I have a date to do a little praying. And I look forward to seeing those who I can tomorrow. Sorry, Jesse, were you going to give us the homework or no? Oh, shoot. Gosh, good call, Martha. Yes, homework. Take out. This is your last week of reading. Um, Here is your last week of reading. And, you know, two two sentences or more per section. Um, Your Invisible Forces. Your Invisible Forces, page 227. Your spiritual bank account, page 232. Healing is a revelation, page 245. One healer, page 246. You are a spiritual broadcasting station, page 270. Your world operates instantly, page 276. One more time. Your invisible forces, your spiritual bank account, healing is a revelation, one healer. You are a spiritual broadcasting station, and your world, your word operates instantly. Your word operates instantly. All good? All good. All good. All right. I'll send out an email with those right as well. Uh, have a beautiful, beautiful time. And uh, Jennifer O'Brien, I'd love to uh, chat with you in the next day or two, uh, but I have to get on the other call now. So many blessings Great. to everyone. Have a beautiful day. 
Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.